How are we all? Largely unresponsive. Oh, that's exactly what I was hoping for. Okay, good. All right, so they've allowed me to come back. This is my my second time. I'm having another another go. Uh, who was here the last time I gave a message? Yeah. Yeah. Was it was it good? What what, what did I preach on? Hard time. Oh, cool. Someone. That's that's much more than I had hoped for. Wonderful. Cool. Yeah. So so last time I preached on struggles, hard times how all that's part and parcel of your faith, but how it's all worth it. How that's the promise of, of God as a believer, is that everything is worth the struggle if we keep pressing on. Um, wonderful. That's Yeah, brilliant. All right. So recently, the Lord's been talking to me about another kind of hard, difficult topic. And uh, it's not the one I had planned. So after I preached last time, about three weeks after that, the Lord uh, started to talk to me about some other things he wanted to say. And, and so for about six months now, I've been sitting on this this whole message. And I've been talking with people. I've been getting pointers. I've been getting other wisdom around. I've been tweaking it as we're going. I had a, a slideshow ready to go. I had jokes in all the wrong places. And it was wonderful. And then we got to about Monday and God said, yeah, we're not we're not going to do that one. And so I was like, cool, wonderful, brilliant. Um, so literally this, this one, um, God's been speaking to me through the week, and this, this one got written up yesterday morning with, a, with 24 hours to spare, which is plenty. Um, and I believe what the Lord wants to talk to us about this morning is some not very popular topics of obedience and submission. Also talking about being a slave to God. And these kind of topics are very counter-cultural at the moment. If you open up your Facebook feed, at least on mine, I see all the time these posts that are about, if this person is not adding anything to your life, you need to cut them out and move on. If you're not focused on your own happiness, you're never going to get anywhere. Right? And then they, they've said in such poetic ways that make a whole bunch of people go, yeah. I deserve this, I deserve that, I deserve X, Y, Z. And, and that's our culture at the moment. And you see it starting to bleed through a little bit into the church as well. I was speaking with Trent about this the other day, that even a lot of our worship songs contain very little worship. A lot of our worship songs are all about us. They're about what we need from God, what we have received from God. You know, if we look at songs like No Longer Slaves that are really, really popular, but that song's all about us. Talks very little about actually who God is, which is what worship's supposed to be. I believe worship is a response to a revelation of who God is. That's where it comes from. You don't get anything from worship as, as your motive, if that makes sense. And so this is the age we live in. It's very, very me-focused. And I believe you guys already know that. And this is, this is us as a people. Not, not everyone. It's not as an individual, but as a people, there's a theme of selfishness that's creeping in that is being justified by pretty words. It's being, and, and so, so it sounds right. It sounds right where we're getting this 
It should be all about us. Anyway. And so within the church, we hear lots and lots of messages from very popular preachers, pastors, again, social media, all this kind of thing of preaching on the topics of freedom is a big one. You hear all the time, all the time. Jesus wants to set you free from this. Jesus wants to set you free from that. The Lord's going to bring freedom, which is wonderful. And I'm 100% behind that, 100%. You get the other one, which is our identity is a big thing that's being pushed at the moment, which is fantastic. It's really awesome to start to see some people coming alive to, to who they actually are in Christ and being, and being set free and all this. It's so fantastic. But there's a balance that's not quite here where we're leaning in more and more and more to things about relationship with God and what he can do for us, that there's a little bit of this this reverence part of understanding who God is as king, that they're starting to, to drop off and fall into the gray area and become less popular as we press more and more as to who God is as the father. Does that make sense? Cool. And so when you bring up, topics like obedience and submission and things like that, I find that when I bring those up in discussions, one-on-ones with people, that can often get labeled as religious. And again, this is a word that we use all the time here in the vineyard because it's something we've had to come against. It was a very bad thing was these spirits of of being religious, of, of a, a performance-based faith, if that makes sense, that that in a, in a lot of modern churches, there was a, if you complete checklist X, Y, Z, then you'll be extra blessed. Jesus loves everyone, but he loves the people that that perform better more. It was kind of the, the underlying message that was coming through. So we've kind of stepped out from that. We've pushed aside this this talk of being religious. And, and so now, but unfortunately, again, this part, which is a very important part of our understanding of who God is, has been pushed aside as part of that labeling, which is, I believe, wrong. Um, and, and the reason for that is because we're preaching things like identity and freedom and all that's coming through so strongly. If we preach freedom and then preach next to that slavery and submission and obedience, they seem to butt heads with each other, yeah? So it seems that when we say you need to be obedient, you need to be a slave to God, you need to submit and I'll throw up some verses whenever Darren can, um, and I'll read a few of them out to you, but even then it says in the Bible that we should be submitting to authorities on the earth and all this kind of thing. And, and so our understanding there, we go, whoa, whoa, no, no, we're preaching freedom. I shouldn't be under anyone but God's authority, and that all comes into play. So let's just have a look at some of the scriptures we have in the Bible that actually talk about this kind of thing. I'm not going to... I'm not, going to, I'm not going to get bogged down on these too much. So that's why they're up on the screen is I want you guys to look into for yourselves context and, and real meaning. And I want you guys to discuss with God how that relates to your life. So I'm, I'm just going to throw them out there, read through them, and then we're going to move on. So in Hebrews 13 verse 7, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. John fifteen fourteen, 
if you are my friends, so you are my friends if you do what I command you. John 14, 15, which is hard for dyslexic people. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. 2 John 1, verse 6, and this is love that we walk according to his commandments. James 4, verse 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And Titus 3, 1, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. So this is something that the Lord has actually hit me with pretty hard recently where he's begun to open up and explain to me how these two sides of where we're preaching identity and freedom and where we're preaching submission to authority and obedience and being a slave to God, how they actually go hand in hand. And um, he brought to my memory kind of a story of my work life. So when I was leaving high school, what I really wanted to be was an electrician. But that was, wasn't the opportunity that was put in front of me. I was, uh, what I did manage to get was an apprenticeship to be a shop fitter. Not a shop lifter, a shop fitter. Um, which was, was fine. So, so I dove into that and I'm like, I'm going to do this. And uh, the thing about being a shop fitter was we were quite a large company. We had um, an Australia-wide contract. So we traveled a lot. So the way I was working was I was um, working for about six weeks straight, um, no less than 12 hour days, often as up to 15 hour days. Um, and then I would come home for one night and then I would go again. And I'd come home for one night and then I'd go again. Um, and so that was like 90 something hour weeks sometimes. Um, and my employer really did not treat me well. He demanded this kind of authority over me, and he demanded this submission, um, which was which was straight up abuse. It was straight up abuse the way they treated me, and a whole bunch of bad things happened there. But I was determined to get through my apprenticeship, so I stayed there for about four and a half years, almost five years, um, and just kind of like powered through it. And it was a really, really bad bad place to work and all kinds of issues then I had to deal with like anxiety, a little bit of depression, all that kind of thing that had to be then dealt with after I left because of the way I was treated which was really, really poorly as a person of very little value. Right? So I was there for my employer's benefit. He didn't see any obligation to do anything for my benefit, if that makes sense. He actually did not care. Right, so eventually, and, and sorry, the culture on that as well was because I was working so often and not seeing anyone else, everyone I had contact with was going through the same thing, so it became normal. Right, so I, I didn't realize that that's not the way humans work. So eventually I, I left um, and, and I, I, I went through another job and a little while after that I actually got to start, got the opportunity to start a, an electrical apprenticeship, so what I really wanted from the very beginning. And the really cool thing about this is the people I currently work for doing my, my second apprenticeship is um, a pair of brothers that I know from a church that I used to go to. So these guys are awesome, awesome men of God. They love Jesus. It's literally on their business plan. They'll have, email this guy, get this quote, pray about this, and you'll see it on the business plan. They once paid me to sit with them and pray with them for about an hour. 
all this kind of stuff. So it's really, really fantastic. And I had a good, solid relationship with these guys before I started working for them. All right, so we were friends before, before I entered this employment kind of thing. And the way this is working out is really, really awesome because they are looking out for me. Yeah, so, so when they do stuff, they're like, oh, we don't want to put you out. We're here for your benefit as much as you're here for my benefit. If I do extra hours for them, they'll work out something later on for, for my benefit so that we're both benefiting. And so it's a really, really healthy, healthy, free work dynamic, right? And the reason this is working so well, I believe, and this is something God was speaking to me about during this week, the reason it's working so well is because of my attitude towards them. So I have this relationship already with them, all right? You can see how this analogy is lining up, I hope. I hope we're all above this, this level of intelligence. Is I have this relationship with them and it's awesome, right? And so I've come out of this bad place into this good place. I've got this relationship. It's going really, really well. But the reason that my relationship with them is going so well and this work experience is going really, really well is because they can give me so much freedom in the work that I do and so much lateral movement and we're able to spend a lot of time on personal relationship and not much time on professional relationship and it's much less professional because I'm submitted to their authority and I'm obedient and I try and have a good attitude about it, right? So because they're not having to constantly discipline me I get to have a much, much freer and better time because of my attitude towards them. All right, so you're beginning to see now how perhaps this obedience and authority actually extends and creates space for your freedom and a deeper, better personal relationship with God. That if your attitude towards Him is one of submission, one of obedience, that means God's having to spend a lot less time tackling your attitude and he just gets to love on you. Does that make sense? And this is great. And so he just gets to bless you. He gets to do amazing, amazing things with you because of your attitude towards him. So let's, I think we've got the concept down, Pat. Let's, let's move on now to what this means. What are we going to do about it? Um, I'll start by sharing a little bit of my testimony. So you can see kind of everything I'm speaking on, I'm kind of like drawing on my own experience, the things that God's taught me. That's the only thing I can talk about. I can't talk about anything else. Um, so in, in my testimony, for those of you who don't know me that well, um, uh, I look and sound Australian. I'm not. Um, I was born in, in Scotland. Uh, we left Scotland when I was about 12 years old. Um, I was I was raised a raised a Christian, raised a Baptist, um, which is why I I, I believe that's why I place emphasis on this this reverent side of the relationship as much as 
the father side, the king side, the father side need to be, in my mind, they need to be equal. There needs to be that balance. Um, and uh, my, my old man was a, a pastor for a couple of years. So I was a PK. And then when I got to about kind of like 17, 16, 17, I became incredibly dissatisfied. So, so being raised a Baptist, I had no idea of anything of the Holy Spirit, all right? So my relationship with God was only this deep. And so I was involved in the worship team, I was involved in children's ministry, all this kind of stuff, and, but, but it didn't mean anything. It had no depth and I became very, very dissatisfied. And so pretty much literally one day I just, I just stopped going to church. I never stopped believing in God. I never burnt the bridge of my relationship with Jesus, anything like that. I was just like, if this is all that church is, it's really not enough. And so I just stopped going. And so I spent a couple of years just roaming around, doing my own thing, like a lot of 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds do, drinking, partying, all that kind of thing, a little bit of drugs, all that kind of just really bad stuff because I was kind of like, oh, this, this is real. This is, a, this is actually a, a real experience. Whereas church was just, there was nothing there. Um, until to, to one day I became, again, as you might expect, very, very dissatisfied with that life. Because even though it was experience rich, that still had no depth. It wasn't important. It didn't matter. I became very, very dissatisfied. Um, and I actually remember just sitting on a computer chair and, and I turned on the computer just to play some video games, but just never did anything. And I was just zoned out. You know, my life was going nowhere. My brain was in that place. And, um, and I heard the voice of the Lord very, very clearly, very loudly, but calm. It was the most odd thing was, it was incredibly loud, but very, very calm. Um, where God only said two words, but within that was packed so much information about everything I needed to do, where he just said to me, that's enough. I was like, and I was terrified. So literally at, at that point, I literally turned everything around. I gave up all this kind of thing. I, I was dating a non-Christian girl, broke up with her immediately, um, started coming back to church. I just, I had to. I just, I just couldn't keep going the way I was going. Um... And, and when I started coming here, I, again, found this, this thing that was very, very real with depth, right? So I started to understand this whole other side of who God was. I, I became in, in just in love with the Holy Spirit, and I started to see amazing things happen. I remember that the very first time I came here was... It was nuts. People were making all kinds of funny noises. Uh, people on the floor. It was ridiculous. Everyone was crying, but everyone said it was fine. Um, it didn't look fine. Um, and so I was just sitting watching, and um, it was it was actually my brother who who dragged me along. And so I was watching him pray for someone, and um, and and I, I was just so intrigued by it that when someone offered to pray for me, I was like. Yeah, you know what? All right, let's go for it. I don't know what it's going to be like, but it looks, it looks real. It looks like again, like something authentic with depth, something that matters, something that might actually bring some kind of satisfaction and purpose to my life. So, so I let it happen. Same thing happened to me. Started shaking like I was having a seizure. Hit the deck, the usual, and um, 
there's only been a couple times in my adult life where I've actually been in tears. And so the first couple of weeks I was coming here, I was in tears just with God, just going, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that you, that there was all of this to who you are. I didn't think you were enough. But now I know and blew my mind. Anyway, and so I kind of dove headfirst into this and um, it wasn't too long before I was hitting up Kirk. I was like, Kirk, I need to get more. I need to get more involved. And so he took me over to, to Perth with himself and Ken Fish and again, just deeper and deeper and deeper. And people started to prophesy over me that I was going to be a prophet. And it was, it was literally on both sides of the country. It was people who had no idea who I was, people who knew me very deeply, all in a similar theme. They were like, John, you're going to be a prophet. John, you're going to be a prophet. John, you're going to be, you're going to prophesy. And to be clear on that, everyone can prophesy. Not everyone's a prophet. If that makes sense. Um, just like, you know, everyone can paint something. Not everyone's actually a painter. Um, but now, if I'm completely honest, I'm probably approaching this place again where I'm starting to ask these questions of God where I might, if actually, if this is all that there is, it's probably not enough. And of course, the first time I asked that question or, or started to feel that way, my response was to up and leave. Because I was like, oh, the church isn't satisfying me, so, so I'm going to get out of here and find something that will. Of course, since then, I've grown up a little bit, not too much, a little bit. And <laughs> the father's done some you know, forceful maturing in my life. Um, so now I know, of course, that's not a good answer. Now I know that actually the church or the pastors or the other believers around me are not responsible for my faith. They're not responsible for what I do with the gifting on my life. And they're actually not responsible for the way I steward the things that God has asked me to do and the things that he has asked me to be, if that makes sense. That's it. I'll say it one more time, as requested, is that I am responsible for my own faith. No one else. And, and again, there's heaps of people I've spoken to recently who have said similar things to the way I'm feeling, where they're like, it used to be so much more than this. We used to see, again, like, like I said when I first came, we used to see heaps of people every week up here at the front, just laying everything out before God. And then what happened? Like, we, we very, I can't, I can't remember the last time I heard someone speak in tongues. And to be honest, I can't remember the, the last time that I prophesied over someone. And so I'm responsible for the way I've been stewarding that. God gave me the gift. God encouraged me in it, and he had a whole bunch of people speak over me. And for a, for a long time, I was more and more and more and doing it every chance I got. But then over time, my attitude towards God has changed. And this is something he's convicted me of, right? Where it is actually an obedience and submission issue that has also then reflect, reflect, affected my relationship with him. 
And this is where we're getting to this point where we go, actually, it's, it's not enough anymore. Because, I'll, because of my attitude towards him, not through a, a conscious decision, but through just the busyness of life, just tiredness. There's lots of times I'll be sitting up the back there, I'll see people at the front going for prayer, and I'll be like, you know what, I'm just, I'm tired. And I'm an introvert, and I've seen too many people already, and if I have to speak to one more person, I'll say something really horrible. And it's just... It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's 100% our own thing that we need to check our attitude. I mean, you see it in young children all the time, and my parents had to say it a lot, where they literally were like, it's not your behaviour that actually bothers us, it's your attitude that, that, that bothers us. And I believe that's the same way with God. He doesn't want to manage behaviour. He actually wants you to be free to to make mistakes, to do things wrong and all this kind of stuff, pretty much consequence-free as long as your attitude towards him is still submission, obedience. Father, you first, what do you want? I think even in our prayer life we get this wrong so often where, I I know you guys have heard this in messages before, where people say it's wrong for us to just pray to God when we need something. It's wrong for us to just include God in crisis mode or in victory. So it's when something great happens, we often go, yes, thank you, Jesus. When something bad happens, we go, please help God. And even in our prayers where we are outward focused, we say, God, help me do this. God, give me this gift so I can do that. Whereas I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to get to the understanding where my prayers need to shift to the point where I'm going, Father, what do you want? And then nothing else. I think I've, I've overcomplicated it. I'm going to pretend that's a silence just for reflection. It's not because I've lost my place. Don't worry about it. That's good. I've covered a lot of things. Look at me go. All right. There's actually, <laughs> there's actually only one more thing I need to talk about. That's wonderful. Um, isn't I do want to clarify and emphasize on the tail end of this that this is not a religious thing. Is that your value is not affected by how obedient you are or by how submissive you are. That's not where your value comes from. Your value comes from who God created you to be. Your value comes from your identity. And that doesn't go up or down no matter what you do. You are valuable enough, valuable enough right where you are. But it is super clear in the Bible, in those verses we threw up and all that, that if we say, Jesus, I'm following you, that's a practical statement. 
You've actually got to do it and our attitude, if we go in it with any other attitude but one of, I'm going to obey you and I am submitted to you because you are king as well as father. We're just going to keep going around in these circles and ending up in these places of disappointment and dissatisfaction. And we're going to have people like Ken Fish or Putty Putman or Carl Tuttle or Robbie Dawkins or whoever comes through and we're going to have these awesome, amazing times with the Holy Spirit because we're essentially we're experiencing the overflow of a leader's submission to what Jesus is doing. And so we're seeing great outpourings of the Holy Spirit. But then because we are not obedient, right? So we'll hear a whole bunch of stuff in those times, but then we don't steward it. It takes a conscious effort to maintain a passion for Jesus Christ. If we just go, I am passionate about Jesus Christ and that's a really good thing, I guarantee it'll fizzle out super quickly unless we actually do something about it to be going deeper, deeper, deeper every time. And so, and, and if I'm honest, that's pretty much all I have to say. Then the solution to this is, is that the way, the way I'm going to run ministry time is we're going to get, if, if this is hitting you, if you are feeling this, that your, 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 your walk with Jesus isn't what you want it to be, then this is for you, yeah? And so I'm going to get you guys to come up in a second and we're going to pray for you. But once we're done praying, we need to do something. So we're going to pray and we're going to get this this attitude towards Jesus of, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to submit. You're in charge. And out of that, we're going to get this amazing freedom to be in such intimate relationship with Jesus Christ because he's not going to have to manage our attitude or our behavior. That he won't have to waste his time on that. But then we need to come up with practical things, ways that we are going to steward this so that our passion doesn't die. Does that make sense? That if we just keep doing this thing on Sundays the same way we've been doing it, it's not going to last. Um, and so with whoever you're praying with or being prayed for by, you actually need to make some kind of commitment that if you just receive the feel goods and walk away, it's, you'll be really disappointed. And, and, and I believe that God's got some just wonderful things that if we would just stay committed if we would just press in and, and, and fight for it and, and put in this conscious effort every day for it because it's worth it, because it's, it's what we need. Otherwise, we really just end up in this crisis place where eventually we'll walk out of the door. Like, and, and we won't stop believing in God. Your relationship with Jesus won't crumble, but your, your life won't be what you need it to be. Sound good? Cool. So, where's Trent? Do you want to do some kind of music-y type things? Good. Because you need atmosphere if the Holy Spirit's going to come. It's important.
Um, yeah, so, so if, if anything I've said makes sense to you, feel free to just come up, come right at the front um, right now and we'll start praying for you. But it is that practical step off the tail end of it that's really, really important. Thanks, John. So let's just, uh, let's stand. <coughs> John was inviting you into a posture before the Lord. And so uh, now's your opportunity to posture yourself before God. I think the invitation was if, if the Lord was drawing you into that place of being postured before him, I think John said, why don't you come on up the front? So why don't you do that? Come on up the front. And um, just to get very specific in this space, um, you all you all were having conversations with God well before you even walked in here today. There's there's conversations that you're having with God this morning when you woke up. He started talking to you. You started talking to him, and he has answers for you. And he wants to give answers to your questions, to your conversations. But sometimes I don't like what I hear, and so I turn a deaf ear. Well, I just want to say in the name of Jesus, give up the deaf ear. Give it up. Have an open ear. And come into the free space that John was talking about, the latitude, the liberty the free space that God has for your life. So I bless your ears to hear and I bless you to partner with God in hearing him and no longer turning a deaf ear to God. I bless you. I bless your ears to hear. <clears throat> 